0: Hi Kirby. Hi Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome Glam We hope you stay a while. <laughs> Thank you. That's cute. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Sarah, what do you make of this savage Fenty drama? Oh my God, what's the
0: drama? That Johnny Depp is in it?
1: Yep. I mean, you know, here at Los
0: Angeles... I was going to say university. (laughs) Here in the state of Los Angeles, we love everything that Rihanna does, but there
1: are some questionable things and people she supports that have me scratching my head. Okay, so let's back up. I interviewed Rihanna. It was amazing. It was incredible.
0: Postpartum Rihanna.
1: Yeah, it was like her first postpartum moment. We drove to Simi Valley where they filmed the show. And it's not a typical fashion show. It's not a runway with audience. That's not how it is. There's like little scenes and there's dancing and stuff. It's like a movie. Yes, it's like a 40 minute movie. And it's available on Amazon Prime. Patrick came with me. I got to bring Patrick and I was reporting on it for InStyle. We were like, okay, so it's a red carpet, but like, who's going to be there? They're very like elusive about it. And so we had no idea who was like, going to actually show up. You know, was Simu Lu going to be there? Is Cheryl Lee Ralph going to be there? Like, I need to know so I can prep some questions for them. Like, I don't want them to speak, to be coming down the press line. And I have like, I don't have a good thing to ask them. Mm-hmm. Turns out it was just Rihanna, just her. They told us 1030 p.m. interview. I knew that wasn't happening. I knew it. In my heart of hearts, that woman was going to be notoriously late, as always. She literally showed up at midnight. I mean, we were all happy to wait for her. But it was so quiet. There was nobody else being interviewed. So when E.T. kicked off the interviews, it was funny, the anchor or the reporter, she has a relationship with Rihanna. So they fly her in to do her interviews. And she was like, Oh, my God, it's so quiet. Like, can we get some music or something like it's just it was like, silent. And Rihanna was like, y'all are not like rowdy. And we're like, well, it is midnight on a Sunday, girl. And we've been waiting for you for two, three, four hours. At that time, though, they had let us know who was going to be featured in the show, like performers and models. But Johnny Depp was not included in that. I think that's for a very specific reason, because they didn't want us asking her. Because here's the deal. For all intents and purposes, Johnny Depp is considered innocent by the United States government. It's a different story for the U.K. government, because he did not win his case overseas. A lot of people don't remember this. There was a reason why he brought it to the United States. If you look into the other case... They lived a toxic relationship. Neither one of them should have been together. Like it was a volatile relationship, okay? Regardless of anything having to do with him, it's such a divisive conversation. Why throw him in there? It's so weird. They could have featured a million other people. And that's why I'm so confused. So we didn't know this, okay? TMZ drops the bomb. We reach out to Savage Fenty No response, no comment. I mean, but it's verified because I have the screener from Amazon Studios. And so I watched it. And right at the beginning, they're listing off who's in it. Johnny fucking Depp. And and then you watch him and he comes out during the song, so fresh, so clean which I also think Rihanna's intentional. That woman is intentional with everything she does.
0: Who is the creative director? Like there's other people involved here who obviously this wasn't her decision and someone was like, let's put Johnny Depp in and then.
1: But she's signing off on these things. Like you don't get people like Johnny Depp in there. So this is what I saw online. She's getting slammed for not being in the know of this conversation or whatever. And I'm like, well, I'd argue she does know. Yeah, there's like a reason
0: behind this, whatever that reason may be. The split
1: is people are like, well, he's a domestic abusive survivor and so is she. But also uh, there is domestic abuse against men. We're not arguing that. But this particular situation is very interesting to me. And it's wild that the other case that he lost, he did not win. And I think there's a very specific reason why that was brought over to the United States as well. I feel like if I were Johnny Depp, And I won
0: my case. I would just take a long hiatus to just be erased from the news for a while. Where is his PR team that's like, you need to take a break, bro? I mean, you're right. But I know that he also
1: was like, obviously very much exonerated. Exactly. In the court of law in the United States of America, which I do. I have very specific thoughts on that as well. Not just that, like, all of the fans came out and, like, praised this man. Like, I was like, who are all these people all of a sudden? I think that also gets messy as well. So it's interesting because in my story, I'm mentioning certain talent and I'm disclosing, like, the reason why I did not ask about Johnny Depp is literally they sprung this on everybody last minute. And the only reason why we even know is because TMZ dropped the bomb that that was happening. The brand has not even given anybody a statement about it. So that's the thing that feels weird to me. I release a statement once the show like actually airs on Wednesday. On Wednesday, November 9th. glams. I want to know your thoughts. Call our hotline. You can text the hotline. I actually love it when y'all text the hotline because we can actually like kind of type back and respond to you. Make sure you include your name because your name does not come up on Google Voice. And let us know what are your thoughts on this situation as a whole? Sarah's face. Sarah's like, I just
0: don't know. (laughs) Tripped is so confused. There's also, if you can remember, because I'm blanking, there is someone else in recent news that Rihanna's come out and like supported. And I was like, "Mm?"
1: is it Will Smith? Was it Will Smith? Maybe it was Will Smith. It was her in ASAP, and they went to a screening of, I think, Emancipation, which is Will's new Apple Plus movie. He's kind of on his, like, redemption tour, too. Like, he's trying to get back into the public spotlight, and we've talked about that situation at length as well.
0: I honestly feel like he's, like, worked a little bit harder than Johnny Depp.
1: Anyways, just tune in to watch Simu. Yeah, Simu looks fine. I'm telling you right now. And like Winston Duke <laughs> is also in it and he's looking hot. Like they're, oh, Anita. Anita's a performer and literally she's like shaking her ass wearing these incredible fishnet tights that I'm like, girl, you better work. She makes it look so easy. It's like when someone makes something look easy, you're like, oh, I could do that. I could try it. It's like, no, you cannot control your (laughs) hips and your ass the way this woman can. It's truly glorious. I love it so much. But another interesting part of this particular show is that she has a new executive design director, which is Adam Selman. If you're not familiar with Adam, he created that incredible Swarovski crystal gown that she wore to the CFDA awards in 2014. And like people lost their minds because you could see her boobs through it. He is a constant and consistent partner of hers. And he had created his own line, Adam Selman Sport. I think that they are quietly shutting that down because he is now the executive design director of Savage Fenty. And what I've noticed is I've never really been a huge fan of Savage Fenty, to be honest. I felt like their lingerie was a little, it was a little cheesy. It was a little like early 2000s for me, in my humble opinion. That's what it kind of looked like. It didn't feel elevated. This stuff is still fun, but it does feel like Adam has his signature touch on everything. Like they're bringing in sport, they're definitely trying to compete with skims or like, an aloe, and they had these, like, really sexy silhouettes. Like, if I saw this girl at the gym... I'd be like, damn, you need to go out in this. Like you need to be like going to the club in this outfit. Like Marseille Martin's wearing this like bright neon leopard print bodysuit with the zipper and her like boobs are all. I mean, it's so hot. There's a line that's not sport that it's inspired by the Renaissance and it's velvet. And like back of the leg laces up like all the way up the butt cheek. So it's like a little lingerie peekaboo. I can't even imagine trying to like put that on. Oh, same. It would be a lesson in comedy, because I would be like falling over and be like, where am I? What am I doing here? The other thing I wanted to note, too, though, is I think one thing I really like about the Savage Fenty show is when they do this show, they show like how it performs in a way. So for sport, they have these women, What what's like a the highest level of being a yoga, like a yogini or something? Like, what is that? Like, it's like a very expert level yoga practicer. Wow, I'm really using my words here. Sorry, (laughs) y'all. But they're literally like doing... Like acrobatic. Acrobatic movements, but like thoughty acrobatic movements. So it's like sexy. And you're like, okay, damn, if they can like stretch their leg like that over their head wearing this, then like I can like go do squats at the gym and not worry about like my ass crack showing. It is interesting that they decided to make
0: a film instead of doing the live show, which she has done in the past, which
1: I mean, I guess COVID, but also not. I mean, as problematic as the Victoria's Secret fashion show was for many reasons, that was a culturable moment. It was a moment. Yeah. And it really is so exciting when everyone is reacting live, you know, and the buildup for it is so great because you're seeing them do it. You're getting ready to see them like go just the promo alone because of all of the different
0: celebrities that are involved and like coordinating schedules. Yeah, the music and theatrics of it all would be difficult to make it live. But is anyone going to watch it?
1: Are you all watching it? Let us know. Okay, let's do Wife. We got some Wife. Okay, I feel like we've been talking about makeup a lot. Don't you? Maybe we like ebb and flow. We're like on a skincare kick and then we go makeup. That's just how it is. True. I've been trying out a new skincare line, so I feel like I'm not able to really discuss anything at this point because I'm waiting for results and whatever. It's just kind of boring because I'm like just using the same thing over and over and over. So my wife is a makeup pick. This is like Sarah's Tatcha. You know how I'm always like, girl, is Tatcha sending you a check? Like, let's please. If you know, people are like, I'm pretty sure you're actually behind Half Magic. Yes. Tynan, from smell you later was like kirby johnson are you aware of this brand basically like you talk about this brand so effing much like what are you doing so this is a half magic review and i promise you i'm not just talking about it because obviously i love donnie and the brand so much when i use these products people are like what's on your eyes what are you wearing i get so many compliments and i'm normally not this type of girl i'm very much like the matte nudes girl on my eyes But this has totally changed the game. And I think it's a really, really smart. It's a first of its kind product as well. So there are two. One is the Half Magic Eyeliner Pen. It's called Magic Flick. And this is such a unique eyeliner pen. It's like a calligraphy pen. And it's felt, but it's not a point. They call it a paddle tip. So it's flat. Like when you turn it to its side, like you can barely even see it. And so depending on how you turn The eyeliner, you can make this really thick, thick wing, or you can make the most precise, slicey line on your eye. And when Donnie was showing this to me, I was like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with the shape. You all know I like shapes. I like unique shapes. This is very different. It's innovative.
0: You're like, oh yeah, why hasn't anyone made a brush like this?
1: And it's honestly why I love makeup artist created lines, because they are the ones that are ideating in terms of product development of like things that would help them. So that's one reason why I love it, because this paddle is so it glides on the eye. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. But the other part is that the way that the package is shaped when you put the lid on, it's wider at the bottom of the lid than the other end of the eyeliner. And what this means is that you can set it upright so all of the ink constantly stays at the tip of the paddle so that you never have to worry about it not being this really even-toned, opaque, black line on your face. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worse
0: than, like, doing a pad eye and then it's like, starts out really strong and then it, like,
1: just drags on. Or opposite, and you're like...
0: Gah! gonna start over
1: yes no skips this is my hands down favorite black liquid eyeliner I have ever used Donnie said that when she first got like the early models of it it took her a minute to like figure out how to use it because it is so ergonomic and it is so easy to use you're almost like overthinking it so when you get it practice with it and have some fun with your hand like draw with it like see how it works and then play like I Wouldn't open this and then use it to go directly to an event or something like that. Like, you need to play.
0: Yeah. Do they make it in any other
1: colors yet? No, they don't, unfortunately. So it's in black. It's waterproof and smudge proof. It's one of those eyeliners that if you took your finger and kind of rolled it, it would start to come up. So it really does stay on the skin and it does not come off with any type of like perspiration, water, whatever. So highly recommend Magic Flick. It's $20. I feel like I
0: would like this for my
1: eye shape. You will love this. You will literally love this. Like, you know, my eye shape is weird because of my eye surgery. I can get in the little flap of my eye (laughs) lid and like get right to the lash line. Because, like,
0: sometimes even with, like, my liquid eyeliner pens, I, like, slant it. Like, I apply it on the side instead of, like, read the pens. And I feel like this just lends to that.
1: Yes. There's, like, the tip. There's the sides. You could turn it over on its back and drag it that way. There's, like, three ways to use it. I'm looking at the
0: photo of the, like, strokes on the different hands. And there's so many, like, thicknesses.
1: And it's so fluid. It's just... It drags like a queen, drags like a queen on the skin. $20. That's a pretty good fair price too. Totally fair. And okay, the this next thing I think is just truly remarkable. So they came out with eyeshadow singles. This is not their first eyeshadow type product. They have like liquid and cream eyeshadows, but they just launched these powder eyeshadow singles. They come in these little, they're called clam shells, but I I they look like little egg cartons cuz they kind of are. They're singles because she basically reimagined the Z palette, which if you're not familiar with the Z palette, every makeup artist I know will depot their eyeshadow pans and put it in a Z palette so they have them all in one place. It's like magnetic. You can like put shadows, your blush into like one little handy palette. Highlighter, any powder that has a pan. This Z palette, it's really pretty, first and foremost. And it comes with a removable mirror because oftentimes for makeup artists, having a mirror is helpful, but Z palettes don't have them, A. And B, if you have a mirror, you can't recycle it. It's difficult. So this mirror is easily removed so you can keep it and then you can put all of your powders in there. It doesn't have to just be half magic, but they came out with these eyeshadow singles in the most gorgeous shades. There's this one called Daydreamies. That name literally just screams Donnie Davy to me. The way that she talks about product and how things look, I'm like, yes, this is a Donnie Davy eyeshadow. It's this beautiful sky blue, which I've been wearing a lot. And people are like, what the hell are you wearing on your eyes? Like it looks stunning. I'm like, thank you. It's literally a shade I would never ever think to wear. But the shades that I am fascinated with, the colors are Elvin Things, which is this mint and it has a these pink reflections in it. And I will put on like my brown makeup by Mario shadows and then take my finger and pat Elvin Things onto my the middle of my eye. And it causes this just gorgeous reflection, this mint green reflection. So when I'm on Instagram stories or I'm posting a video, people are like, no, literally, what is that on your face? Like, tell me right now. That one and the color Pretty Robot. It's a lilac pink. It also has the reflect. Wet Pebble is like their deep taupe. That is like a more of a neutral if that's your thing. But go on the website and look at the images that they provide of the models wearing this. It's literally. Just so stunning. And the best part is it comes in these pocket-sized compostable compacts. So they're in this chartreuse color. They're really cute. And you can compost them like at home. This is what they say on the website. Once you've used up your eyeshadow single or decided to move it to your own custom Forever palette, which is what they're calling like their Z palette knockoff, you can recycle or compost your paper foam compact. First, remove the pan by peeling off the label and inserting the tip of a pen through the bottom of the compact. So they make it really easy for you to like push the pan out, which is great and remove any excess glue and then recycle the now empty compact via our mailback program or simply place it in your at home compost bin. I had somebody that I think works in recycling message me when I was posting about this initially that said, you can't actually compost these like I'm sick of people saying that you can this is literally like the first of its kind that you actually can do this with this particular product. And I've seen people in the industry like our friend of the pod, Charlotte Palomino, praising Half Magic because they're starting something that I think a lot of people are going to want to follow suit in in terms of sustainability. It's not only gorgeous, but it's just smart I don't use every single color and every palette that I have. I like being able to pick and choose. And so I really love this idea of like buying a single and putting it in the palette and, you know, mixing and matching it. But let's get to the, the numbers on this baby. The eyeshadow singles are $12 each, which is, I think, a very fair price. And they have these sets now for the holidays. So there's a create a palette set, which comes with the Forever Eyeshadow Palette, And all of the single shades and it's $89, which I think is like the best value you could get because the custom palette by itself is $26 and that comes with no shades. So anyways, that was my deep love and admiration for Donnie Davey and the brand. It's just like everything they come out with. I'm like, it's good. It's good. None of it's bad. All of it's good.
0: She's a very smart, talented woman. Agreed. And she's only going to put out stuff that she would use herself. So nothing wrong with being a fan.
1: I just love it because I would never try some of these shades. But because I like trust her and I just love her work, I'm like, you know what? Let me try this effing mint green on my eye. Like, let's see how it goes. And then I'm like, oh my God, I created a new look that I would never wear before. You know, it's it's just fun. It's fun to use her products. Okay. Headline time. Sarah, what is this?
0: We love a study. We love a big, big old study, especially if it's a beauty one. In my research for this episode, I found this psychology study. This is the headline. Massive psychology study provides evidence that beauty enhancing behavior is a universal phenomenon. Like, no shit. Basically, that's saying that like all of us as a human are like trying to be more attractive. Like we do things both men and women to be more attractive. Like you're like, okay, no duh. But the like details of the study I thought were really interesting. They found that both men and women spent approximately four hours a day engaging in self-enhancing behavior with women averaging around 23 minutes more a day than men. And then women typically would engage in behavior like putting makeup on where men would use their time exercising. That's like their definitions, which are like, okay, that makes sense. But then what I found really interesting was that they found that women's self-enhancing behavior is really strong in your reproductive years. So they're like, which they're calling like 18, which I'm like, okay, that's really young. But then it dips around middle age and then it goes back up in your elderly years. So they found that like 18 year old women spent like an hour more a day enhancing their appearance than a 44-year-old woman, whereas 60-year-old women spent 30 more minutes than a 44-year-old
1: woman. Okay, this is interesting. I love this.
0: I know. Comparing myself
1: to my, like, sisters who are, you know, in their, like, late 40s, early 50s, I'm like, huh. I think it makes sense because I remember when I was a teenager, I could not leave the house unless I looked perfect, in my humble opinion. I wore so much more makeup than I did now. I don't even think it was that I wore so much more makeup. It was that I just spent so much time like constantly being like, this hair is out of place or like my skin is too shiny or whatever. And I remember one time I had to get up and go somewhere quickly with my mom. And she was like, you can't spend two hours getting ready, Curb. Like you have to come right now. And I was so, I felt like so gross going out in public, like not being completely put together. It's weird, like psychologically, it's like, I guess because you are young and you are boy crazy and
0: yeah your like hormones are <laughs> raging and you're trying to be like yeah attractive to other people i would not i like curled my hair every single day in like middle school to the end of high school like i would wake up so early to get ready for school Whereas now I think about how sometimes I will arrive at like meetings and events. And I'm like, I really could have spent a little bit more time
1: (laughs) getting ready. Well, I mean, I also feel like when you, you know, this age, like what they're saying, like 40s or whatever, it's like people are in the thick of being perhaps mothers or in career. You're busy with work.
0: You got career. You got babies. Like you're, you're busy, which makes a
1: lot of sense. But also you may also be coupled up. At this age where you've been with someone for a while, so maybe you're not putting that much time and effort into it because you're like, I already have somebody like I'm not trying to do whatever I have bigger fish to fry I have bigger priorities than like, primping or whatever. And this might be morbid. But then maybe once you enter your 60s, I'd be interested to talk like ask in the study, like, were these women widowed? Were they still married? But then the study found, surprisingly, people in
0: committed relationships spent more time enhancing their looks than single people. Okay, so then that negates my theory. (laughs) But then it says, which may be related to mate retention. Which, okay, let's be real. I know that everyone's like, oh, you know, you don't dress for your partner. Which I definitely like when I'm like putting on an outfit I'm not really thinking about Matt, but I would like him to think that I looked cute. You know what I mean?
1: But I'm not doing it for him. Same. Not Matt. Patrick. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah, not Not for
0: Matt. <laughs> Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an icky thing to think about. Like, oh, it's like you have to like keep up to like retain your mate. You just like, want to like look good and feel good. And it's nice to know that you're trying a little bit, I
1: guess, for them. I don't know. Is that weird? You're like, is that anti-feminist? Ugh. I do think the internet has made us crazy because we're like, is it anti-feminist to want to like look good for someone we're like sexually attracted to and like want to potentially have them bone us? No, it's actually like
0: innately in our human DNA to want to look more attractive
1: to survive. You want to attract people. It doesn't matter if it's whoever you're with or it's you're at an office and you want people to find you attractive because this website also shows that there is a link between an attractive face and how you act at the office. So it says an attractive face is more likely to communicate warmth than competence. First of all, I want to be known as competent in any shape, way or form. But for what we do, I feel like warmth is important. You know, if we put ourselves together, it kind of looks like we're a little bit warmer. That helps build relationships, which is also important. It's interesting. This is
0: so interesting. Yeah. And then they have a few more other points that are sort of like obvious, but individuals who spent more time utilizing social media or watching TV were more likely to spend an increased amount of time on beauty enhancing behavior, likely due to the unrealistic beauty standards that media often
1: portrays. Guilty. Interesting. And then it says at the bottom, predictors of enhancing human physical attractiveness data from 93 countries, I guess is like the study that they may have based this off of. One more thing to add, women from
0: countries with lower levels of gender equality and women who adhered more strictly to traditional gender roles were likely to spend more time on their appearances, which that makes sense too. This is really fascinating. I know. I mean, we could really go deep on this, but I honestly, the thing that really had me thinking in the shower was the 18-year-old versus the 44-year-old versus the 60-year-old.
1: Listen, I just think of it as like Billie Eilish- (laughs) And then like literally Rihanna and then Jane Fonda is significantly older than 60, but like Jane Fonda and like Jane Fonda is still doing the damn thing. When she was 70, she got her second facelift. Like she's still and she's like living solo, living her best life. And like maybe it's like a lot of people are retiring around that age and they're like, I'm catching my second wind. I'm ready to go. And I have time to like do more self-care or, you know, spend more time out of the office in social gatherings But okay, so this might sound weird, but I would really love to know, and it's kind of like with sunscreen, it's like, okay, who are you testing this on, right? Or like if it's a anti-aging product, who are you testing this on, 25-year-olds? I want to know who they studied and who was a part of this study because were the women that were in their 60s that were like primping more or like focusing on doing like more, what is it? Aesthetic, beauty focused, what are they called? beauty enhancing behaviors. Were these women in heterosexual relationships? Because this makes me wonder, okay, are these women catching a second wind because their straight cisgender husbands had a midlife crisis and ran off with like some 20 year old girl and these women are like, well, you know what, I can feel my, you know what I mean? Like, I want to know all of the
0: specifics of this. I know that this is like a psychology. It was published in the Evolution and Human Behavior Journal, which I guess is not just psychology, but this is something that I would have loved to study as a comms major. Yeah, with like a hot professor. (laughs) (laughs) We'll link to the study for anyone who like wants to actually like read the entire thing. But they surveyed 93,000 human participants across
1: 93 countries. So yeah, I... And what, what are your theories? on the curve of beauty enhancing behaviors from 18 to 60. Tell us your theories on that curve, because it's a curve. It starts up, goes down and goes back up. Yeah. And tell us like where you
0: stand in that, like how old you are and how much time you spend on your beauty routine and whether that is differed from when you were in your teens or, you know, if you're a little bit older, like if that's differed from when you were in your 40s. This is really interesting. I love it. I love it.
1: I love it too. Thanks for sharing. Of course.
0: We have a TikTok trend that's, again, (laughs) dermatologists are like, wait, hold on. Trend talk. This is new to me. You spend more time on TikTok, so you probably have seen this. But can you use anti-dandruff shampoo
1: to wash your face, Kirby? So thankfully, people looked into this. And Elise Myers, who you may be familiar with on the platform, she's like one of the unicorns from TikTok that like, people love and they follow her just simply for her storytelling and opinions and she did a video and said listen I did all the fancy creams my skin was terrible blah 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 I went back to using my handy dandy head and shoulders dandruff shampoo to wash my face and I've never been better let's just play this video before you spend a lot of money on skincare products just hold on just go buy head and shoulders and wash your face with it and see what happens I had been using the Walmart version of Head & Shoulders on my face since I was like in middle school because I had a dermatologist tell me that zinc in dandruff shampoo is incredible for your face. Never had a problem with my skin. Always had clear skin. And it wasn't until I stopped that I started getting all of these breakouts on my chin. I started trying to use like the fancy stuff because people were sending it to me for free. Never had worse skin in my entire life. Three days ago, I threw everything away and started using my dandruff shampoo again. Skin is already clear or clearer. It's going to take some time just try it. Okay, that's very convincing. If I saw this video, and I didn't know anything, I would also be like, hell, yes. Hell, yes. There is some fact to this. But I would also caution you before starting this. Just just let's talk about it. Let's have like a critical thinking moment. Okay. So of course, our friends at Allure, this is hilarious. The opening, the opening line is the clock app is at it again. Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) They consulted dermatologist, you know, Elise in her video said that she talked to a dermatologist and the zinc in it is what helped her skin. Deborah Jalliman MD says there is some truth to the trend, but I would stick to an actual acne cleanser. Anti-dandruff shampoos have antifungal properties due to their ingredient zinc pyrethione. And that there is a facial cosmetic and oculoplastic surgeon, Dr. Nakra based in Austin, Texas says this trend has taken flight because most dandruff shampoos contain zinc pyrithione an antifungal which helps people who have very specific type of acne from fungal overgrowth however as most people with acne actually have bacterial variety instead of the fungal variety danders shampoo's Won't work. Worse, the detergents and relatively cheap over the counter dandruff shampoos are not made for facial skin and can irritate and dry out the skin. Of course, Ron Robinson chimed in, our friend from Beautystat. He says acne is the result of pores being clogged by oil. It becomes a breeding ground for bacteria, which can then cause swelling and redness. Anti dandruff shampoos are over-the-counter drugs commonly formulated with two FDA-approved ingredients, the zinc pyrithione and selenium sulfide. Both ingredients both work on dandruff because of their antifungal and antibacterial properties. If applied to the face, they could help reduce acne breakouts because of their antibacterial benefits. So that's interesting to me, this whole thing with fungal acne. And honestly, I feel like I need to look into it more because so many derms that I personally like interview and talk to are like fungal acne is not a thing. It's not even acne. It's like a whole different thing. So I know that there's some conflicting views on that. But here's the thing. In this particular article, Dr. Tureen, she's based in Minnesota, says that it's worth a shot, so it can't hurt. But if you do notice that your face is not clearing up, you might want to stop using it.
0: I would guess head and shoulders is going to make your skin really, really dry and flaky if you have like already like dry, acne skin or sensitive
1: skin. And I also would wonder too, like for Elise in her particular situation... I think that at the advisement of dermatologists use Head & Shoulders, she loves it. It works for her. It kept her face clear. But I wonder like what else she was doing to her skin because if she isn't using things like maybe alpha hydroxy acids or retinol and then she starts using those products, like you're naturally going to start purging because your skin has not experienced that type of exfoliation or cell turnover. So That's why I think a lot of times when people have like very simple skin care routines, and then they see people online talking about, oh, you need this compound, you need this eye cream, you need this exfoliant. And they're like, well, I have good skin and my routine's working for me, but I feel like I need these things. And then they start incorporating it, their skin freaks out because they're not used to it. So for me, like with in particular, Elise. I do think the zinc helped her. But I also think because she stopped using all the additional products that she wasn't used to using, her skin recalibrated itself. And now she knows like that's her routine. And I think that's an important lesson. Like if you have something that's literally working for you and you're 90, you're even like 70% happy with how your skin looks. Don't fuck around with your routine. Just try to keep it the way it is. For sure. Gosh, the clock gap. Little clickety clock. That app's crazy. Okay, (laughs) there is some drama. We got to cover it. There's some drama. Okay, so I'm actually really curious what the glams think about this one.
0: Can I just say I have like my popcorn bucket in hand have just been like in the posts, comments, just like looking. Oh, same. I've been reading the comments. Yes. (laughs) The conversations between the founders. I'm like, oh.
1: Okay, so there's two brands involved. Skin, founded by Charlotte Palermino. Los Angeles pod winner, y'all know and love Dew Skin. Yes, they are part of this. And then the other is Sereni Skin. I apologize if I'm not saying that correctly. Chloe Morello is a very popular beauty influencer, Australian, beautiful, very very sweet, very very kind. Launched her brand this year called Sereni Skin. It's co-founded by Ashley Villa. She runs Rare Global, which is like an influencer management firm. She's an attorney. And earlier this year, Sereni actually launched a product that I really like. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it uses lactic acid and DHA. So it gently exfoliates the skin. It helps improve the moisture barrier. And then it provides a little bit of a glow through like a fake tan to the skin. Oh, so they've been around? This is not their first product. That's so weird. I had literally never heard of them before. I really think this product is smart. For me personally, I love to self-tan and the use of having something that's like moisture binding, but also having the DHA, which is naturally like drying to the skin, I thought was really smart. And because I have melasma, I like having like a little bit of DHA every day to help even out my skin tone. So that was their first big launch. I think it was a really smart product. And I've said it as such, you know, on social. So they launched a second product last week. They're calling them the eye renaissance eye shields, and they are reusable eye masks that you pair with the serum, and you wash them afterwards, and you keep using them. They're $25. Sound familiar? Honestly, when I
0: first saw the ads for it, I was like, oh, they're totally trying to copy the Chanel ones, because I didn't know that they were, like, reusable. You mean the aesthetic of them? Looks like Chanel. Agreed. Then... Comes the drama, though, because I was incorrect. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they were sort of inspired by Chanel as well, but they seem to have been inspired
1: by another brand even more. I mean, well, that's up for debate. That's the drama here. So they come out with their reusable eye shields, the eye renaissance shields. And of course, Do Skin is the one that really started this. They were like the first brand to come out with reusable eye masks. Like
0: in 2020?
1: 2020. It was their first product
0: launch. Everyone has been seen using them, like all the celebs.
1: Yep. They're the green with the logo, all of that stuff. It must hurt as a brand founder to see something that you created be copycatted, right? But it's a free open market. And I would argue that if brands are really focused on sustainability, they have to be accepting of other brands trying to be sustainable in this way as well. Glossier was knocked off. Like everybody's knocking off. Brands like Makeup Revolution really irk me because they really do just like steal entire aesthetics of like independent brands. And it's not like a huge conglomerate is doing this to do. They're both independent brands. They're both content creators. They're both brand founders. Chloe has said to her point that she always has used under eye masks to do her makeup. But she hated how irresponsible it was that she was using these single use eye masks every single time and that she had worked with the, you know, a lab to create these and that she worked very hard to get them to what she wanted. I think that hers might be a little bit more silicone-y than do's. Do's are a little bit more heavy duty. And I think there's a reason for that. I don't have them. The brand actually reached out to me, Skin did, and said, we have this new launch, We'd like to send them to you. And I actually said, no, I actually have a product like this already. So I feel like that's a waste for me. Chloe has gone into how long this took her and explained that process. But Charlotte, Charlotte's like, well, we launched in 2020. You didn't even start doing this until we came out. Also, there's another thing that's really
0: up for debate. And it is the logo. Okay, so I'm holding up the do in instant angel. Just I mean, only Kirby sees it and she knows what it looks like. But obviously, it's like the
1: logo in this like oval thing. It's in an oval and the font is Renaissance, which Charlotte has been very vocal about. It's the, the font of the logo is Renaissance. I don't see it. This is what I this is where they've lost me. When you scroll back
0: to the Serenis Instagram feed, it wasn't in this oval shape before.
1: It was not. It was not. And now it is.
0: And so that would kind of piss me off.
1: I'm looking at it from a consumer perspective. When I see Dew, Dew's logo feels way more stylized to me than Sereni. Sereni looks just very, very extremely simple. There are the little serifs on the Sereni, but the way that do their X was made wider, like the U is smaller, the E and X like encompass the U like it's a very stylized logo. This is kind of where Charlotte and the team lost me because I was like, listen, I would be more upset about the fact that like, they're really, you know, trying to say that I don't think they're claiming they're the first but like people are going to think that
0: I kind of disagree. I think the icing on the cake sort of thing. They already are sort of copying, if not fully inspired by the Duo eye patches. And then the logo is like really similar. Do is so incredibly successful and they already have such a loyal fan base and they're not gonna lose customers
1: to Sereni. I don't think they're going to lose customers, but I feel like they're going to lose a point of entry. And I think this is the biggest concern for them that Chloe Morello has millions of followers. And while Charlotte is an expert in her own right, she does not have the following of Chloe on YouTube, maybe more on TikTok, but Chloe has been like established in this space. I know brands love Chloe, like she has really good engagement. So I think that all of this combined is what is causing them to react this way. I would love to know what the glams think.
0: Is this too close to home?
1: Well, this is the one last thing I want to end on. I said earlier that I think it's fine. It's a free market. Create something that's out there, but make it better, right? That's how I feel about skims. I used to love Spanx, but I'm obviously a full devotee to skims in every shape, way, and form. And I think they took it to the next level. Oh, 100%. So... I do think that you can find something and say, you know what, this is great, but I'm going to make it better. Right. And so maybe it is worth us trying. I still have my point to be made, which is don't make a product that you say you're making for sustainability reasons, but then put it in a plastic compact with a mirror on it. Because I understand why they wanted to include the mirror, why Chloe did, because she's using it more as a makeup mechanism than a skincare mechanism. And while it looks beautiful being in this compact so you can keep opening it up, it's like at least do has it in an aluminum tin. And also who's actually going to be using that mirror to be applying the makeup with the patches? You know what I mean? Well, think about it. Chloe is an OG makeup YouTuber. And when they're doing makeup on camera, she is holding a small compact and doing her makeup, her eye makeup at the very least, these small compacts. So I understand aesthetically why they went that route. And I do think they have pulled inspiration, like you said, from Chanel, they've definitely pulled like the idea from do, but don't make a product unless it makes sense in, in, in every way that you're claiming. And that's for me why I'm kind of like this particular launch doesn't land for me, because only one component of that entire launch is truly like sustainable in a way. Maybe someone from my team will try it and
0: tell me how it
1: is. I love them both. By the way, I think Chloe Morello is lovely. I'm obviously good friends with Charlotte and Marta. And I'm like, can we all just get along? Because I actually think that Charlotte would really like Chloe. And I also think that they both have created interesting launches. Like people are obsessed with the Trinity serum and everyday instant angel. And this lactic acid DHA product that Chloe launched is really, I think, smart and special. And I really like it as well. It's definitely not as successful as do's line, but I think that they're trying to think of different products to launch versus just like the everyday moisturizer and serum and stuff like that. So Glam's, what do you think? Let us know. As a beauty director, like when you're thinking about like covering products, what are you thinking right now? First,
0: I feel like, I mean, obviously like would need to try serenity because i i have the do ones because i am not friends with chloe i I know ashley i'm gonna need to try it i'm just gonna say that
1: we'll do a blind test (laughs) a blind test with eye patches (laughs) how are we gonna do that i'm gonna have to like get acetone and like remove the logos from all of them yeah this calls for a
0: science experiment
1: but yeah no please
0: tell us what you think Thank you everyone for listening this week. We will be back on Friday with
1: another great guest interview. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group.
0: Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelispod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all
1: social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. Los Angeles was created by us, Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It's part of the ACAST Network and licensed by Vice Media Group.